Wednesday and another edition of the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. Husker Harvest Days with our broadcast location live. And let's throw it to Shaylee Peters. Shaylee? Well, hi, Dirk. Yep, we're into the third and final day of Husker Harvest Days here and not slowing down at all. Stuff is moving and shaking here into the third day. We're glad to be here. I've got Bryce here with me, Susan here with me today. We're excited to be here, and uh, we've got a jam-packed schedule again today. Bryce has our 12-13. Susan's going to take our newsmaker, and I'll let you guys talk about who you'll be visiting with. You bet. Thanks, Shaley. I'll be at 12-13 with Terry Haney. He's the uh, director of the LEAD program. They actually just announced their new uh, class. We'll be catching up about that. And then coming up at uh, the newsmaker at 1245, Heath Verbka. He's a district sales manager with Channel Seeds. But we're going to talk about some issues that he's seen in eastern Nebraska in getting these crops ready for harvest. And there has been some rumors and talked about that we might not see some corn harvest till, believe it or not, late October, early November. Holy cow, yeah. And yeah. then at 117, we're uh, showing NTV some love. We've been over there during Husker Harvest Days. But uh, Steve White with NTV's Grow, he'll be over here visiting with us uh, about all things Husker Harvest Days. They've seen a lot of cool stuff happening. But third and final day here at Husker Harvest Days, stop by our booth. We'd love to visit with you as we head into the home stretch out here and broadcasting live throughout our entire midday here. All right. Very well. Thank you. And uh, we'll be in and out from Husker Harvest Days again on this edition of Midday. Thank you, uh, Shaley and Susan and Bryce. Team Jack Foundation underway right now. That's uh, Sports-wise, that's one of the finest organizations for raising money that I have seen. They've done a great job with that whole endeavor, and once again, that's for a fantastic cause, helping to cure pediatric brain cancer. So we'll talk more about that. Of course, that has that connection with Jack Hoffman and his family when Nebraska was coached by Bo Pelini. That's when that all got started in that memorable spring game about five, six years ago. Also, we will talk some college football coming up in sports. We'll get the thoughts of Nebraska defensive coordinator Bob Diaco. Of course, he's been under fire the first two weeks of the season as the Husker defense has not been as good as advertised, although they did play a better second half against <laughs> Oregon, although I don't know if that was so much Oregon letting off the yeah. gas or Nebraska making a few adjustments. Well, I don't know that Diaco or Riley sounded all that pleased. No, so we'll get uh, Bob's take on that, and uh, we're still talking about the Cleveland Indians. Oh, yeah. 21 wins. Tonight they start a series against the Royals, and I'm the biggest Royals fan there, there ever was, but Kansas City has just been terrible this year against Cleveland. Yeah. So there's four games in Cleveland. I think you have to like the Indians' chances <laughs> of this thing continuing, at least for a couple more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully, hopefully from the Royals' standpoint, they can stop this thing, but you'd almost like to see history. Yeah. Yeah, they're all they're they're making quite a, a run there, and, and it's almost you know you look at the uh, at the lines for for Cleveland and Los Angeles, they're almost diametrically opposed. Yeah, you know, you know the Dodgers were so hot early, and now it's the Indians. They've been yep. the team the last month. Yep, Bob Brogan has some business news. Stocks are edging mostly higher in midday trading as we're seeing gains for health care and energy stocks, and also the House has passed a one point two trillion dollar omnibus spending bill. That's Kind of a big deal because they were looking at possibly shutting the government down. And uh, last but not least, police are looking for vandals who dump blue paint over the charging bull statue on Wall Street. And by gosh, we want to get to the bottom of this. All right. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. 
Ag Weather Time brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and Paul Perkins is sitting in. So we're finally looking at the possibility of a little more widespread precipitation. Yes, uh, some chances at some thunderstorms with the cold front starting to move through for tomorrow. And also some cooler temperatures are on the way here. Well, we will take them after <laughs> exactly. the 90s that we've had to put up with here, although it hasn't been horrible. No, you know, luckily in September we don't have too much humidity, so that heat not as uh, overbearing as it would be maybe in July or August. You know, and considering August, we had parts of central Nebraska that did not even hit 90, yeah. and now we're looking at a multi-day stretch here of 90 degree heat. Yeah, Hard to I believe. Don't, I don't hear anyone complaining too badly at Husker Harvest. No, a lot of farmers actually in, think saying we probably needed this heat to really finish off the crop here, yeah. crops here because uh, some of the crops are still a bit behind on the growth and maturity. We do have a, another unseasonably warm day expected for today. Once again, some south winds and sunshine just ahead of a low pressure in a few areas, especially over Kansas, where today the winds will be stronger. Some weak disturbances will track southeast, and that will help to develop once again later today some late day and nighttime thunderstorms. Most of the area will be on the warm side of a cold front that starts to invade northwest Nebraska tomorrow. Thunderstorms expected right near that front as it begins to push for a little bit for early or late today on into tomorrow. Tomorrow, but then it will sweep across the region late tomorrow into Saturday night. The weekend will be much cooler behind that front, looking at highs in the 70s. High pressure will keep it dry during the day Sunday, but then that front will be returning back to the north as a warm front for Sunday night and return our chances for thunderstorms. Warmer air much of next week will keep it slightly warmer than normal. And there is a possibility later next week we could see the remnants of a tropical depression, Norma, that could move into eastern portions of Kansas, maybe start to increase rain chances late next week, but still a lot of uncertainty this far out. The warmer temperatures are reflected in that long-term forecast with the higher chances of temperatures being warmer than normal. The middle part of next week in Nebraska and Kansas, then we'll start to trend towards seasonal or near normal next weekend through September 27th. The precipitation forecast expecting above normal rainfall for Tuesday through September 27th in both Nebraska and Kansas. In our latest drought monitor that was released today, abnormal dryness in Nebraska remains in the far northeast, also the southern panhandle, and in the west central, along and west of a line from Ainsworth to North Platte to Hayes Center. Also abnormal dryness in extreme southern Nebraska from Red Cloud to the southeast corner. Moderate drought found south of Beatrice to Pawnee City, also around the Valentine area and the southwest panhandle. All of central Kansas right now, including Colby to around Waukini, also the extreme northeast part of Kansas, experiencing abnormal dryness to moderate drought, so a very large area of abnormal dryness in central Kansas currently. Weather factors the market traders are considering include no significant concerns for maturing crops in the Midwest or the harvest, improving conditions for the Delta and rain in the forecast for the northern plains and also portions of kansas rain associated with the remnants of irma should end tomorrow across the eastern u.s crop conditions after irma are improving for harvest in the southeast u.s and delta the warmer air and no significant rain are in the forecast the next seven days to help out a winter-like storm will start to provide some much needed precipitation including high elevation snow we haven't said that for a while across the northern rockies and plains precipitation totals could reach about one to three inches from the pacific northwest into the upper midwest the rain will help replenish the soil moisture but also delay the harvest across the northern plains that moisture though 
desperately needed in Montana, where 77% of the pastures rated very poor to poor. Elsewhere, some late-season warmth will continue to spread across the southeast and lower Midwest. That will keep the cold weather threat away from the Midwest for at least the next 10 days, and uh, any cold weather dangerous farther, farther away. The fair weather pattern in the southern plains diminishing the soil moisture for wheat planting. There is a chance, though, of rain in the late forecast periods, but right now that's still a bit uncertain this far out. Paul and Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. I need to ask you about that uh, concern for the dry conditions, maybe fire conditions in Kansas. Yes, they're especially dry in central Kansas, so that's why they do have that higher concern. Also, some higher winds today. And, of course, it's hotter in Kansas right now, looking at highs into the mid to upper 90s for today already. Uh, some locations in the mid-80s in central Kansas. We're already at 90 in northeast Colorado. Holy smokes. All mm-hmm. right. Well, I uh, also, also, did I hear you? utter the words winter-like storm? Yep, uh, high elevations, so it is staying away from lower elevations, so we don't have to worry about anything like that, even though we can see snow in tail end of September. We've seen it before in central Nebraska. I remember that in the 80s. <laughs> All right, Paul. Thanks very much, and remember when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. Bryce Duskett back with you from our live coverage of the 2017 Husker Harvest Days event. Today on our 1213, we just announced a, a, the new class, Class 37, is that right? That's correct, Bryce. And first of all, I'm just delighted to be with you here in your studio on, on the grounds of Husker Harvest Days. Yes, uh, a couple weeks ago, we announced the members of Nebraska Lead Group 37, who will begin their two-year Sunday, September 17th, uh, on East Campus at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And I'm excited to get started with them. Uh, another great class that's going to go through this amazing program, uh, just ready to start polishing them up and getting them ready to become the future leaders for Nebraska agriculture. You did announce that that new class, but meanwhile, there's the the current class is about ready to enter their second year. Talk about that class. Well, for your listeners, and I'm not sure if they know this, but we run two concurrent classes, and so Lead Group 36 will start their second year of their journey on September 24th on the campus of Shadron State College. And and for those that are married, their spouses attend that seminar, and this is where we will announce the destination of their international study travel seminar that will take place in January of 2018. So that's an exciting thing to do. Uh, I'm anxious are very excited about it. It's a great opportunity for them. For people not familiar with LEAD, walk us through what uh, year one and two look like for the people. You mentioned the international trip, but just give us a little walkthrough of what, what people experience going through LEAD. I sure will. During their first year, LEAD fellows will study local, state, and national issues. And so during those two years, they'll spend uh, uh, time at, at 12 three-day uh, theme-based seminars across the state of Nebraska. Uh, I mentioned local, state, national issues that first year, but that also includes 10 days to Kansas City, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. And then that second year, we really focus on the global perspectives and our international community, and that typically includes a 14- to 16-day international study travel seminar. And uh, so it's a, it's an exciting journey with each class. Uh, with, with the graduation of LEAD 35 last uh, spring, we have well over 1,000 Nebraska residents that have been through the program. And remind folks, again, who aren't familiar with lead what's the objective when people go through the lead program what do you what do you hope they leave the, the uh, program with well we're going to prepare and motivate men and women in agriculture for more effective leadership so we're looking at getting these folks to become better decision makers wait you know some will go on to positions of leadership in our state legislature uh, board of regents united states senate and so forth many of them will get involved with their uh, the corn board or the uh, soybean board or the ncb or the Na- nebraska cattlemen many of them you know it's that local 
stuff that they do. They get involved in their community. They make their communities a better place to live, community development, economic development, providing leadership for their communities. And that's what's so important for the people of Nebraska. Certainly an important uh, program for Nebraska to be part of. Now, you, you're recruiting, I'm sure, already for lead class 38. Uh, not yet. Okay. Well, no, we are. Oh, you are. Okay. Bryce, Talk about we're, that. We're always recruiting, you know, just like any athletic team at the university. We're recruiting. We're reaching out to pers- prospective lead fellows for them to know more about the program, uh, put their life in order, get organized so that they're able to participate, make application and participate in the program. So LEAD 38 application deadline is June 15th of 2018. It's not too early to get that uh, application requested. And remind people where they can go to learn more information about LEAD. Give us a call, 402-472-6810 or on the World Wide Web at leadled.unl.edu. Very good. That was Terry Haney. Thank you so much for that information. Of course, director of the Nebraska LEAD program. That con- This continues our live coverage of the 2017 Husker Harvest Days event. I'm Bryce Duskett, reporting for the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. With us is Dean Hefta with Water Street Solutions. Kind of a non-event today was the expiration of September contracts because I noticed September... Wheat contracts didn't even trade today, Dean. Yeah, so September's going off today, and uh, not that when you get into the last few days of the of the trade in September, it's a big deal, but it will get that off the board, and on the continuation charts, that will leave a bit of a gap here between September going off and December now, assuming the front month, month position. So we'll see if the market wants to fill that before uh, before moving too much further. Big rally in soybeans today with double-digit increases. And that's uh, kind of stemmed from the soybean meal at one point. Are we seeing some yield reports uh, out there that might be a little different than what USDA is saying? Well, you know, uh, harvest is starting in earnest, and there are some reports of some early stuff coming off. And there's some good stuff out there, but I'd say in general, uh, as compared to what they're expecting compared to last year, which was our record year, uh, it is not what we're going to need from what we're seeing so far to meet this 49.9 number that you're getting out of the USDA. So I'd say that's part of what's giving us this lift in soybeans the last couple of days. Now let's also visit with you about weather, and not just here, but maybe Brazil, maybe other areas of the world. Yeah, so here locally, you know, as you look into the next couple of weeks and we get closer to, to harvest, it looks like we are going to get wet, wetter, so that could provide some some delays for us really getting going on harvest. Let's hope not. Let's hope we can keep a clear open harvest. But as you move down into Brazil now, something that's been being watched for a while is Brazil is dry, and Brazil cannot handle dry weather like Argentina has uh, has the ability to do. So now we're moving into the beginnings of the Brazilian planting season. The market's going to be watching. Are they going to get rain? Because they're going to need rain to get the crop started down there. We're talking with Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. Our export sales continue to be rather impressive day by day, as we've had five sessions in a row in which USDA reported an export sale. Yeah, so, you know, especially in beans here, the uh, uh, the market has had a lot of demand under anywhere down to or below this 940 November futures price, and that continues. We had another Chinese sale today, and so I think that's what the market is, is wrestling with here is we move into this period of time of shifting from figuring out supply to moving now on to what's demand. Do your sources in weather think that there will be a frost risk? 
Uh, right now, it's looking like there isn't going to be much risk uh, for stuff that's still, uh, you know, got part of its growing season left. So there's always these outlying areas in the north where there might be something to come nip. But any type of widespread frost risk seems to be off the table for now. And what have you found, especially in your area of the country, as far as yields is in the corn? Uh, there is some good corn out here, and what we're seeing is if you look at some of those rain accumulation maps from uh, this late summer, uh, the areas that that uh, had enough moisture, uh, corn's looking really good, uh, really across the Midwest. There's going to be some good corn out here, but some areas just had too much damage, ran out of gas, and the lighter soils, if they didn't get the rains, uh, there's going to be a lot of variability. So we're seeing stuff, you know, southern Illinois, 90 bushels to 230. Some of the best corn ever for guys and some really terrible stuff. So very spotty. Thanks, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports now with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska's transition to the 3-4 defense has certainly been a rough one through the first two games. Despite giving up a lot of yards, big plays, defensive coordinator Bob Diaco, however, feels the Huskers are headed in the right direction. And it doesn't look like it should look, and the points don't look like they should look. And that doesn't make it any more or less real that we're getting better. So unfortunately, that's true. Uh, we are getting better, and, and the games have gone the way they've gone. And it, got, and it got better, and it will continue to get better. It needs to get better. Through two games, Nebraska sets dead last in the Big Ten, giving up 39 points per game and over 530 yards per contest. Nebraska will host Northern Illinois on Saturday morning at 11 Central Time. Iowa hopes for a little less drama this Saturday than what they had a week ago. Of course, he had to rally to knock off Iowa State in overtime, 44-41. to Head coach Kirk Ferentz says it remains a long year, and the Hawkeyes just need to focus in on getting better. You know, you learn every week. I, th- I think we learned in the first week that we're capable of playing good team defense. And, and I think two things probably were at play the other day. Uh, we, we probably didn't play as well defensively as we did the week before. But I think also uh, the way we matched up with our opponent factored into that. Uh, you know, they've got very experienced and very good and very big skill oh. players. Iowa was able to win on Saturday despite giving up almost 450 yards of total offense. They'll take on North Texas on Saturday. The Wayne State football team battles Minnesota Crookston on the road tonight. The Wildcats down the University of Mary 48-10 at home on Saturday. Kickoff is set for 7. And the Omaha volleyball team hosts K-State tonight. The Mavericks went just 1-3 at the Drake Tournament last week. First serve tonight is set for 7 at Baxter Arena. Now that they've set an AL record with 21 consecutive wins, the seemingly unstoppable Indians take aim at the major league mark of 26 in a row, set by the 1916 New York Giants. Yesterday, the Indians beat Detroit 5-3. to Manager Terry Francona says they really haven't approached each game any differently. You always think you're going to win until you don't. Well, there's a few games, I mean, that get spread out, but I'm guessing that the Tigers probably felt the same way, too. That's just the way you're kind of wired. Cleveland looks for win number 22 when it begins a series at home tonight against Kansas City. Kansas City was outscored 20 to nothing during its three-day visit to Cleveland just last month. In NFL football action tonight, it's Houston at Cincinnati. And don't forget the fifth annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon is taking place across the state. This is an annual event that helps raise money for pediatric cancer research. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. 
Partly cloudy tonight with a slight chance of thunderstorms through the night. I'm Dave Schroeder. U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is in Nebraska as part of her week-long Rethink School tour to highlight innovative approaches to education. We'll continue to be visiting a wide range of schools from here through the end of the week. And the goal is to highlight the creative approaches that different educators and different schools are taking in different parts of our country. Last night, she visited a decoding class at Midland University's new Omaha campus. Today, she's stopping at three schools in the Lincoln area. Also visiting Nebraska is U.S. Secretary of Defense James Mattis. He will be stopping at the U.S. Strategic Command Headquarters at Offutt Air Force Base today. Offutt officials say Mattis will be receiving briefings. This visit will be his first trip to the STRATCOM headquarters since being appointed as Secretary of Defense. A former Winnebago tribal chair in Nebraska accused of stealing money from his tribe's Iowa casino has made a plea with prosecutors. Federal court records say John Blackhawk pleaded guilty to willful misapplication of casino funds after prosecutors agreed to drop charges of conspiracy and wire fraud. Blackhawk is one of nine former council members accused of conspiracy to siphon more than $327,000 from the Winnevegas Casino in Sloan, Iowa. His sentencing is set for December 4th. Five children were injured when a vehicle struck the back of a school bus that had stopped to let off a student in the Nebraska Panhandle. It occurred late yesterday afternoon on U.S. Highway 26, about two miles north of Baird. The state patrol says a loaded bus was struck from behind by a vehicle driven by a 15-year-old girl. She and her 12-year-old passenger and three students on the bus were taken to Regional West Medical Center in Scotts Bluff. Baird School Superintendent Travis Miller says all five are Baird students and says they were released from the hospital later yesterday. The names of the injured haven't been released. A man accused of conspiring to bomb an apartment complex filled with Somali refugees in Kansas says he was unaware his co-defendants intended to carry out the attack. Gavin Wright made the argument in a 93-page court motion filed by his attorney. The document portrays Wright as a lonely man desperate to find friends after moving to rural Kansas. It contends Wright believed the talk about surveillance of the Somali Muslim refugee community in Garden City was only hyperbole. Replay the game, the program, the interview, or feature you missed by catching a podcast right on the front page of KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Good afternoon from Husker Harvest Days. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's hard to believe it is the last day. And Heath Burpka joins us. He's been extremely busy out here at Husker Harvest Days with Channel Seed. He's a district sales manager covering. And Heath, I'm going to have you tell me the counties that you cover. Yeah, Susan, we cover Polk, Butler, and Seward counties in eastern Nebraska. So we're going to kind of talk during this time over the midday about what growers went through this growing season. Because go back into April, it was cooler, it was wet. Did that cause for any concerns? It may have had a trickle-down effect as we move closer to harvest. Yeah, so we had some really cold snap there towards the end of April during planting and uh, some guys actually quit planting for a few days to let the weather warm up but surprisingly uh, most of the corn products that were in the ground came up good. Uh, I think that's a testament probably to a lot of the seed treatments and everything that we have now 
And as along with beans, you know, the beans emerge pretty well for that early, late April planted, early May planted. Um, actually, our, our more troublesome places on the beans were in later May when the ground got very hard. So it worked out pretty good. You know, all of Husker Harvest Days, they've been talking about how things have changed over 40 years. And you just brought up seed treatments. I mean, if we'd have even been, you know, 10 years ago, this cool weather that we started out with the growing season, it wouldn't have had as much a positive outcome. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, this is my 14th uh, sales season or fall with with NC Plus back then and now Channel and uh, uh, back then if we had corn that didn't emerge in 10 days we were probably planning on replanting now it's not uncommon to see corn maybe sit in the ground two even three weeks and still have very strong stands so I, I think that's been a big change for us in agriculture allowing us to push that planting window earlier replant isn't something we hear much about anymore either no it's been very very few uh most of the replant situations if anything's mostly now due to flooding um or, or ponding and fields so we we very seldom have issues with a stand that has to get replanted in a normal field once we got past the, the cool weather that we saw and got some decent warm weather, how did things look as you cover those three counties? Uh, things in our three counties actually look very good. Uh, we're one of the few areas in Nebraska. We caught pretty timely rains. Um, we were getting on the edge of being very drought-stricken and, and caught a couple rains. And then cooler weather later in the summer. Um, you know, we went all of August without a 90-degree temperature, so I was pretty fortunate. If we would have had some 95-degree days, uh, we would have been probably taking a lot of yield off our area. Area. but we we survived it and things going into harvest here look really good looking at the soybeans i mean boy you could have asked for a, a prettier picture when it came to weather in august yeah exactly we had some really great weather uh you know it was cool very little flower abortion or anything like that and uh and uh, the only thing is and in our area we had a really big rain actually canceled the first day of school because of so much flooding and that that laid a lot of soybeans over but seven inches of rain does that so a lot of them are standing back up and dropping leaves right now so uh we'll we'll see here in a couple weeks what the harvest is some of the guys i was talking to said that they really were concerned that they weren't going to get the canopy on the soybeans it just seemed to be later this year than in past yeah so that june it was dry um you know, it, it just seemed like the ground got very, very hard this year. It limited the root growth, which in, in turn limited the growth above the ground. And boy, for the end of June, the beans were not big. And then all of a sudden, when they took off in July with a couple of rains, they really grew. In some ways, it's almost like the wheat. It, you know, you can kill wheat nine times. Yeah. And the soybeans this year definitely proved that they could survive whatever was thrown at them. Yes, that's a really good probably uh, comparison because uh, our soybeans, they look very tough early in the season you could see gaps out there in stands um you know just for not count uh hi um well we see a lot of you know pretty good counts um, a lot of three bean pods uh versus the twos which is usually a good sign for our area what about for um, any other crops that you guys kind of cover in that three-county area? Yeah, so corn looks really good. Uh, we're, we're anticipating very good yields. Um, some of the silage has been coming out um, with some of the fields doing the best they've ever done. And when our silage tonnage is like that, usually that equivalents to a very good grain yield. Um, and in our area, you know, we'll be above APH uh, by quite a bit on, on uh, dry land corn, but you don't have to go very far away where they won't hit APH. So we were re really fortunate. And you did talk about those those fortunate rains that came in August. Even though for some areas it was a total of right around 11 inches, it'll definitely help finish out the crop. Yeah, down between uh, our play season, we, we still got a couple of roads with water over it where it ponded out. Um, but even despite that, uh, we needed the rain. Um, we had a lot of cracks in the ground, and uh, 
Um, I guess we, we can't be beggars, can't be choosers, so it worked out well. These guys get ready to jump in the combines, uh, grabbing the notebook, their phone, whatever it is, to record some variations that they see in the fields? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people, and we always encourage everybody to make notes what you're seeing out there so you can work with your seedsmen uh, to develop a plan for the next growing season. Um, one of the things we're seeing out there is uh, maybe some uh, struggle on herbicides because of uh, too much rain or too little rain early in the season, and that'd be a really good opportunity to make notes of what weeds you do have at harvest and uh, develop a plan uh, to, to help remedy the situation this next spring. Hard to believe we're already focusing on 2018 and the crop's not out of the ground yet. Yeah, we're always looking ahead. I know uh, a lot of guys are already asking, I suppose you want money for seed right now, and I tell them not quite yet, but uh, uh, well, yeah, we got that on our mind and uh, always trying to, you know, we always anticipate as farmers for next year. Heath Verbka joining us. He is from Rising City, covering three counties in the eastern half of the state. I'm Susan Littlefield at Husker Harvest Days on the Rural Radio Network. Next, we talk livestock futures closings with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, interesting day again. Uh, up did one day, down the next, and uh, that's the way we finished in the cattle. Things started out a little bit better, and, and we rallied for a while, and then about 11 o'clock we uh, turned around and started coming down, and uh, it was pretty relentless on the uh, on the downward uh, trend. The only thing I can look at that might have triggered it would be the fact that the box trade was, uh, the cutouts were a little bit higher for the choice, but uh, sharply lower for the select, and uh, boneless trade was uh, light and lower, so... Uh, that may have affected things, along with the fact that uh, I haven't heard of any real trade still taking place. So uh, uh, disappointment uh, kind of hitting the air there, and uh, that took the wind out of the sails on both the cattle and the feeders. The feeders did manage to have the uh, September close a little bit higher, but it's discounted to the uh, index, and uh, you know we're moving in on the uh, end of that uh, in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, a choppy day is really the uh, way I'd put it. It's been a choppy week, very much a, a sideways type market. Uh, over in the hogs, we're going to finish mixed, front end a little bit lower and uh, back end a little bit higher for the most part. Still cash leading the way. Cutouts were a little bit more towards steady today at noon, uh, so a little bit quieter trade in the hogs. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting. Shaylee Peters joining you back here from Husker Harvest Days. And we're into our final midday segment here. We've got final coming up, final bell coming up later. But uh, we are into our final Roll Radio Network midday series. And I've got Steve White with NTV with me. Yes. And so, Steve, um, earlier I was visiting with you, and you told me about... Um, a really neat vintage combine story. Yeah, Go it's into that. really cool. So, you know, this being the 40th anniversary of Husker Harvest Days, they, they decided they want to bring in some machines like you would have seen the first year of Husker Harvest Days. And I'm doing a little Facebook Live while I'm on here, too. Uh, and uh, so one of the, the guys who puts together the combine demo here, he was looking around. He knew a neighbor who actually had a 1978 International 1460. And, uh, and, and he, he fixed it up over the years. It's not been in the family for 40 years. But I think they got it in, like, the mid-'90s. And when they got this combine, he said... 
corn had been sitting in it for two years and had been left outside with wet, rotting corn in it. You can only imagine. You know, I can't imagine what it must have smelled like and everything. But they, he said he had rats the size of cats in this thing. No joke. And cleaned it all out. Replaced about everything but the cab, and that thing is running out this year. This year at Husker Harvesters in the combine demos, right next to the the big new half million dollar machine. Yeah, that's awesome. And to look at that comparison is just that's one of my favorite things about this year. Is yeah. you're looking at the old compared to the new. So many changes over the past forty years, and so that's been fun to see. And of course, you're with NTV's Grow as yeah, well. You right. guys have a segment every week. We do. We do a thirty minute egg show. I, I, I hope that most of the Caribbean audience tunes. And I like to think that. Uh, the folks who listen to you guys are the same kind of people that we are covering because just like you guys, we're all about agriculture. And, and you know, the, the, when we started this show, I think it's been six years ago now, we've always done ag reporting, but we started to realize that in the national news, we would turn on our own network and you'd see pink slime, GMOs, and all this kind of scary stuff. And we thought, we got to go out there and talk to the producers out there, the Nebraska farmers and ranchers, and tell their story. And we do that all throughout the week. But if you miss it, you can certainly tune in on the weekend, Sunday night at 1035, and we recap everything. You know, maybe we'll do some market analysis, much like you guys will. And, and we'll have different newsmakers on for interviews, um, property taxes, or maybe it's just somebody from the extension office talking about you're dealing with that Palmer situation. Here's some strategies for that. All those different kinds of things. A great way to serve the farmers and ranchers, which is what, of course, we're all about. That's, that's and what then, we're about. Of course, we join you every day during that's the right. news segment. Yeah, so you or Joe or various people come on. We have Joe usually comes on in the mornings with Sarah and talks about the markets during Good Morning Nebraska. And then about 1220 every afternoon, you can turn on NTV and see one of those fine... Uh, folks from uh, from you guys joining us giving us a little market update and some some egg headlines and all that stuff too so uh we appreciate working together with you guys like i said i think we're we're serving the same audience we're serving nebraska's farmers and ranchers and you know what it's a great job i'm sure you agree too yeah yeah i i could be out there doing a lot of different things but like the summer we did fridays at the fair got to go to i i got to go to like 10 county fairs I mean, what a blast. You know, it's like, twist my arm. Do I, do I really got to go <laughs> yeah. interview 4-H and FFA kids again? Well, if you make me, you know, gosh. Do I have to go out there and, and, and visit another ranch today, or, you know, <laughs> ride on somebody else's combine? I suppose. Yeah, yeah it's, right. it's a tough gig, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. Real quick here, what's been your favorite thing from this year's Husker Harvest Days? Oh, boy. I think that um, self-propelled baler was really cool. But seeing some of the old stuff has been fun. Um there's always something fun and just, just running into the people that I only see once a year at Husker Harvest Days. There's people I see just at the State Fair or just at Husker Harvest Days and, and talking to them, and uh, that's that's always a good time. All right. Thanks. NTV's Steve White. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And with us is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And today, in grain, looks like soybeans, well, maybe even soy meal was the catalyst for a rally. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, it was only two days ago, we were 40 cents lower, and everybody's looking at yields near 50, 50 bushels an acre. Now we're uh, back up above the 50-day moving average, so it's uh, really amazing, uh, the strength in this market. Um, we're starting to see the spreads come in as well, which is a really good sign, especially on soybeans. That difference between uh, November 17 and November 18 was at 23 cents. Uh, Tuesday morning, and now we're at 14. So there's been some buying on some reasons. Not sure if it's short covering or um, just outright demand. Those exports reports uh, this morning were fantastic, and that'll be something you got to continue to lean your hat on, even if this market would be trading lower in the coming days. Export demand's been good. Now, the December corn contract gets above 
354. What does that signal? Uh, well, I mean, not a lot. I think 360 is probably in the cards here. I wouldn't be shocked to see a nice little rally tomorrow to cap the week. But, you know, again, a lot of producers need to move product here. Uh, I would think 370 is achievable, you know, maybe by the time we... Uh, we roll into October, but I'm not optimistic that we're going to hang around those levels. I think I think 360 to 380 on the March is probably the range you want to be playing. Uh, which you know, we get up to 370 December, you're probably looking at 380 March right now. To get beyond that, we need to have some problems beginning in South America. And, you know, it's uh, I know we're just wrapping up this growing season, but we're starting one down south of the equator. So Dewey, you and I get to talk about weather in Brazil and Argentina for the next six months. Hope you're ready. And the Brazil crop, or should say the Brazil conditions are dry at the present time now let's look at wheat well we had a little bit of a turnaround yeah and i think i don't know i'd like to think wheat has some upside here just can't seem to get over that 450 level we we tried to get there um you know even five dollars on the july was almost in the cards this morning just a lot of selling not a whole lot of reason for wheat to really move here i think we need to see the corn boat come with it for wheat to get some follow-through although i am optimistic here um saw some good news out of the Australian market uh, two days ago. I think that is something you've got to continue to just kind of lean on here. Um, and the fact that acreage is going to be an issue again. I know it's, uh, you know, given the high carryouts we have, we don't need a ton of it. But, you know, I'm going to be willing to bet that one of these years those folks in Kansas aren't going to do uh, a bumper crop. They've had three in a row now, and I would expect they're going to have some volatility next year. So, uh, you know, $5 is probably not enough for me to sell at this time of the year. I think 530 $540 would be the target. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting.